You are about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Hello, and welcome back to the 79th episode of Spellcast. My name is, of course, Andreel, and welcome to Season 2 of our familial podcast. Now, it's not just me today, though you might be used to it when I tend to chime in first, but in this season, she who has found her craft name, those of you who have known as Courtney, I will now reintroduce to you by her new craft name, which she found through both of our mutual studies of Greek and our connection to our Greek ethnicities. I would like to reintroduce you to Dicasteria Daimonikos. Thank you for that lovely introduction, Andreel. I'm really happy to say that I have a craft name now, and I will be introducing myself by it uh, for further notice on the podcast. So... Formerly known as Courtney, now Di Castidia. Um, it's a beautiful name. As Andreal mentioned, it's from our Greek studies. It's a Greek name, and I'm so happy to have earned it. So thank you very much. Uh, and then in this episode, we have some really great things for you. Um, we are going to be talking about our yearly calendar coming up. You can get an idea of what the Daimonikos family will be up to. Um, season two, honestly, is going to have a lot of new but wonderful things. Um, the... Setup of the podcast will now be including a lot of our holidays, our celebrations, and I know we've done that before, uh, but this is really going to be centered around the Daimonikos family as a whole. We have people that we've added, and now growing with the business, we have so many more people that can start sharing their wonderful knowledge with you. We have started a trend, it seems, and we are quite happy about that. So we will also be... Uh, an exclusive place to find the special offers that we are giving in our business. And our business, for those of you who don't already know, if this for some reason is your first episode and you haven't heard me not shut up about our business, <laughs> we sell holistic healing, we sell magical items of all sorts, some made to order, some found directly on the site. We sell traditional cultural clothing and furniture and a bunch of other little trinkets that you might enjoy. We also offer classes, events, seminars, symposium, colloquium, and if you want to know what all that means, you can certainly inquire. Yes, and those are going to be uh, offered online as well. So for people that might not be near us or people, especially now when we're not able to necessarily travel um, and gather in large groups, uh, we will be offering things online so you can still have access to that. And of course, we'll be announcing it. Um, and DaimonicosProductions.com is another way to find all of the things we have and the calendar of events, as well as our social media, um, which is on Instagram and Facebook with the Daimonikos Productions name. So, Andreel, what's the episode we have for everybody today? So, now we will be speaking of, and we've spoken of this before, but we're going to dive a little bit more into the general specifics and the specific <laughs> generals <laughs> of astrologia, astrology, 
dear friends. We're going to go back into that. To give you a perspective of when we're recording, this is December 30th of 2020. Just about a day and a half left of this oh-so-wonderful year. year. (laughs) It's been a lot of ups and downs for us, as we are certain it has been for you. We pray for you all, as we hope that you pray for us. So we will be jumping back into astrology, mainly at the inspiration of the giant astrological event that just came to us on the winter solstice, on Yule. During the sabbatical period of Saturnalia, if you celebrate it more than one day, we celebrate it for anywhere from seven to 14 days as we celebrate Yule and Christmas up until about the Epiphany. So, well, not about, just the Epiphany. But, <laughs> so. Yes, the, uh, the Saturn and Jupiter conjunction of 2020 was a major event and arguably a major event in the last, like, couple hundred years. I mean, this thing, I know... There's different positions um, that were going on, but some of it not having happened for over 200 years. And then, of course, you know, the symbolism behind Saturn and Jupiter and the father and son coming together, which, when you think of it, is something that really was a good a good cap, I would say, to the year 2020 because we did have a lot of struggles and, and there are a lot of challenges this year. But this is showing that that refreshing side that we're going to be coming into. Things are going to be awakening. Things are going to go start going towards a more humanitarian and intellectual approach, which is just what we need, especially after this kind of year. And actual intellectualism, not pseudo-intellectualism, which unfortunately pervades modern culture very often. Yes, because there's a lot of misinformation, and I'm sure a lot of our followers will know that because they study witchcraft, they study the occult, and there's so many things to sift through on the internet nowadays, um, especially with, you know, social media and just the things that are available. Some of it is a little bit aesthetic based in a shallow way not in you know a good way and then also just i don't know blatant misinformation for some reason people can still get away with things like that um but this new era the the age of aquarius that we're coming into now is going to be about true intellectualism which some people will disagree if you know if the aquarius age has started already or if this is the actual we're past the dawning and now we're actually there or if we actually aren't in it at all there are some discrepancies friends we are not vying necessarily for one thing over the other in today's episode we are going to discuss a bit more about multiple different perspectives surrounding this and let you make a decision. We have our own decisions that we will bring to this as an amalgamated combination of everything we've studied and a bunch of the names that we have studied. And as always, we will try to recommend as much um, what I'm looking for. Resources? Yes, resources. I don't know. I just kept hearing information. But I'm just like, it's more than information. <laughs> the things that. that hold information, <laughs> which are books and 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 articles and it and can be the internet in good cases yes. um you know i'm not i'm not exclusively saying don't research there um we just know that even in books you have to read through things because depending on how long ago they were published um sometimes there is misinformation books are not completely out of the realm of uh possibility but uh yeah i mean with astrology it is a very complex concept but as seekers of truth, we always invite you to do your own research. Really, we want to give you the information we have 
And we are happy for you to expound upon that, especially if you'd love to come back and you want to discuss your research or anything like that. We're always happy and to discuss things. And what we're going to be doing with our symposiums in the future is pretty much just that. So get ready to have all of your research and be able to express it with people and share it and really have a community where you can share the knowledge that you have and the research that you've done and always do your own research as much as we do. Again, we always welcome people to do it. You don't have to ever take our things just on faith alone. Uh, We welcome you to, of course, critique and do constructive criticism and challenge and everything else because that's how you learn and that's how we learned by, you know, challenging things, questioning things and researching. So please, of course, do that yourself. Respectfully, of course, because if <laughs> if you come hurling insults, oh well, nobody <laughs> likes people that don't let healthily debate. You don't want to. You don't want that to happen. But we don't think any of uh, any of you are like that. Expect so. me to be as poetic as Loki was when he <laughs> insulted every one of the gods in Valhalla. Yes. So, so without further ado, thank you for your patience. Let's talk about the general specifics and the <laughs> and the specifics of the of the general surrounding astrology. So, astrologia, astro meaning of, of the stars, the cosmos, the, um, the entire universe, and the things that are above us, and logia, meaning of the word Greek logos. Logos, which has multiple meanings. Log- logia in this aspect means the study of, but it's not limited by that, friends. Logos is the aspects of knowledge when we talk about the triangle of ethos, pathos, and logos. Pathos being suffering, literally, uh, but not all suffering is bad. When you love someone, you may suffer unto them. You know, there are plenty of things worth suffering for. We all make our choices. And ethos is our uh, group confirmations, so to speak, based on the experience and the knowledge and the particular renown in a subject. So you're probably more inclined to listen to a doctor about health than you would, uh, uh, let's say, a person who produces soda or something right. like that. You know, it's there's different ethos for different things. Now, if you wanted to know the mechanics of soda, you would probably go to a person who makes it versus a person who doesn't. So different ethos has different implications, different weights. So we are going to speak about the foundations of where ah oh man i'm losing my train of thought <laughs> no no that's okay i mean to be fair astrology is a very broad topic and um even though we're saying we're talking about astrology uh we want to make sure that it's clear that this isn't um one episode totally on all of astrology has to offer which is why with andreal i mean to tell you the truth who, there's a lot to, to start somewhere uh, is is something that can be a little bit um, overwhelming, but we want to at least give you guys a basis to start studying this yourself. I remember pretty much what it is I wanted to say. <laughs> so today we're going to basically speak about what it is astrology is and the foundations of such. So we are going to talk about it from an old school perspective and a new school perspective. Old school meaning that there used to only be the seven major planets before the discoveries of Oranos, 
um, Neptuno and uh, it's Pluton and all of the other asteroids and moons which affect things not as intensely because they are farther away, but nonetheless still have an effect on us. Because if we believe in the aspects of holism and holistic healing in regards to the body, we must subsequently believe that in regards to the universe. Now, obviously, on grander scales, the mathematics gets a bit more complicated. Now, for those of you who hear the words mathematics, I'm certain you're going, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) But I used to think that I was not good at mathematics, but it was really the way that I was being taught. The best math teacher I had ever had, she's retired now, lovely, lovely woman. Um, she was my geometry teacher and she really went the extra mile with me. But it's it, the mathematics, my, my issue that I think that most math teachers run into and just I suppose teachers in general is that there's this absence of the connection of all of the liberal arts together. And there's also an absence of symbolism from math, which exists in the four of the seven classical liberal arts, as I've spoken before of the quadrivium, um, you can't really understand astrology and cosmology if you don't understand mathematics, because mathematics, arithmetic, geometry, and music come all before those things. And often what a lot of Americans will do is they will kind of go to astrology and they won't understand the previous three. Mm-hmm. So, which, you know, it, one could argue it does have its benefits to work backwards if you're that type of learner, but I'd argue that more often than not, it is better to go in the traditional flow. Yeah, it's always good to have that foundation in place um, and... It's wonderful that people find astrology the way they do, and it's not to say that there's anything wrong with studying that um, and to get the basis of it first. But, you know, once you have that that knowledge and that understanding, it's good to go back and build up that foundation so you can understand what you already know about astrology that much more because it is such an all-encompassing subject and you know i mean things have changed over time um as we said planets have been added i know pluto has taken away from planet status brought back there's been a lot of crazy things um so astrology is definitely not something that is set in stone i mean the cosmos are constantly moving and changing but you know this symbolism the metaphysics that are there those things are always present and it can be felt and uh, I'm sure you guys would be interested, so I don't know, I don't think I have to ask, but I'll ask and you guys let us know if you'd like to d- us to have a, a talk about natal charts as well. We can help you go through your natal chart, um, and it won't be necessarily uh, personally, but we can go over the general aspects of how to read a natal chart. I know we get that question all the time. If you want us to do your natal chart, you, that's different. You know, then we, you reach out to us personally we, and we can go over it with you. We need money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we can go over that with you. Uh, you know, it does, it does take quite a bit of time. Um, but we're happy to explain the, the basis of it. Cause I know when people think astrology, they think natal chart, they think zodiac sign, and we're going to be talking about how you can expand upon that, but that's not to say that that's not important or not something you should be noticing. Cause that is a bit, is a piece of the puzzle that we'll be discussing. And also the elements of astrology that are often missing from a modern perspective, which is the symbology of the names of the gods and goddesses that mm-hmm. these celestial bodies are synonymous with. And notice how I didn't say named after because in the original astrology, it wasn't... The ideas is that the essences of these things are synonymous. And to understand Mm -hmm. how the the planet works, you have to understand the symbology of these gods and goddesses by reading the 
holy scriptures, so to speak, yes, about wherever they, you know, wherever they came from, and understanding that it's not literally; it's it's it is a metaphor,、mm-hmm. you know, much like how we've been seeing. So there's that that art that's going around, for example, with.、Um, Uh, that Italian artist that flipped the story of Perseus and Medusa、right. on its head. A lot of people、uh, have been taking that and being a little political about that, and we're、right. not going to get too much into that. But the idea that is a little misunderstood surrounding Perseus and Medusa in this narrative is that Medusa is a symbol of. The regardless if you believe she was literally real or not, same thing with the hero. Is that the hero triumphing is. The triumph of the super ego and the higher self over the serpentine ego and the id.、Mm-hmm. It is a triumph of your the best sides of yourself over the dark sides of yourself. And the fact that we're seeing a mass、uh, adoration of those things flipped on their head might certainly be indicative of something that is a bit more scary on a psychological and sociological level. So we must have a moral obligation to understand the symbology of every one of these names in all of their aspects, from as many perspectives as possible that are educated on the subject. So that we do not do damage to the perspective of astrology, because if we do not have our mathematics together, our understandings of mathematics and symbology together, when trying to understand astrology, it may sound like a lot of hoopla, and we、right. may actually drive people further away from it than bring us together. These things are not the absence of science, friends. It's just the modern understanding of science. Is a little at odds with what is going on with these celestial bodies. Yes, and they all—I mean, science, metaphysics, and spirituality—are all connected.、Um, and you know, it, it's all a spectrum. It's all something that they—they they have to do with each other. They work together. They're not necessarily separate.、Um, and with anthropomorphized deities and characters, much like you said, with Greek mythology,、um, pa- different pantheons. It can be very easy to romanticize certain characters in these mythological stories because it's the way humans try to connect to things. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's very natural.、Um, becoming, the problem is remaining married to the one idea, right? And then also maybe not considering the original author's intent、uh, or the original artist's intent,、um, the time that they lived, the historical context.、Um, because as much as I, I love Greek mythology. And I love ancient Greek culture. I do know there were some things that I wouldn't have agreed with. There's a lot of sexism,、uh, pedophilia, things that are not accepted,、um, and nor do I think should have been back in the day. But at the same time, when I read Hesiod to learn about the gods, I know where he's coming from. I take the historical context. I know where he lives and why. And you know, I'm not excusing his behavior, but it's the reason things might be read a certain way or written a certain way.、Um, and that's the wonderful thing about this: is you get to explore. In the occult, so many things you get to understand the whys of people and why they did things, their psychology, their motivations behind them, and this ties into astrology, especially when you realize these people each had their own birth natal chart compared with their cultures, compared with stories that were handed down to them, and a lot of、um, Greek stories were oral for the longest time. So to have that then put into words. Is a different process, as anybody that learns a language could tell you. Sometimes speaking is easier or more challenging, depending on the person and how they、um, are able to synthesize language.、Uh, 
Um, so reading and writing might be easier or speaking might be easier and it depends. And that can also affect, um, you know, mythology and stories. We can also see if I, if I can make a little bit of a joke, um, as I mentioned before, uh, when we were talking about the seven planets and of course the addition of the other planets, um, Pluto was a planet that was, you know, thought to not be a planet, um, you know, scientifically by their parameters, uh, they had said he wasn't and, um, Pluto, the planet, is often associated with Pluton or Hades. And ironically, he's also kind of the least appreciated <laughs> one in the Greek pantheon, as in people just kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's like the god of the underworld, or oh, he's scary, things are terrifying. And, you know, again, I know that I'm making a joke about it, and it has a lot more to do with that. Um, but you, that's symbolism in and of itself, if you think about it, that that Pluto is kind of being excluded from this family of planets. And at the same time, there's mythological stories or even modern mythology that kind of excludes Hades from a bit of things. So that just tells you about human nature. So without further ado, <laughs> thank you for your patience with the long preface, though necessary. We are going to speak now the celestial bodies and, of course, the direct personality traits of the 12 zodiac signs. So... I'll start with the planetary bodies. The easiest way to remember this, friends, is the sun. Think, what does the sun do symbolically? The sun shines light upon everything. No darkness can hide unless something is creating a, um, an archway or a cover over something. You won't see shadow. The sunlight reveals all. So this is often related to the phrase, I am which is why it's so closely associated with the ego, ego sum, I yes. am. And your, and your sun sign has to do with who, it, it's your I am, it's who you are. It's, and not necessarily who you are as a whole, it's yeah. just who you are at, you know, what does the sun reveal? The sun reveals the things that are on the outermost level, things that are often appearing as the most shallow. And shallow, again, friends, superficial. People have come to use these words derogatorily, and they're not really supposed to be that way right. you know the outside matters of the inside because the inside and the outside are directly connected mm -hmm. our so body is it, a reflection of the soul we're meaning it more in the original definition not necessarily um the modern definition of it being something derogatory this is just surface but we're not saying that this is a negative thing about you i am is literally what it is you'll you'll appear as so most people tend to recognize me by my moon sign in Pisces. <laughs> yes, which is super ironic. But most people, they don't see the Taurian things about me until they, you know, it's very face value. But the Taurian things about me that are very straightforward is my hunger causes absolute pain and drives me crazy and I will stay away from it when I'm hungry. And not just physical hunger, just, just when I want anything that is filling a hunger, be it mental, emotional, physical, what, what have you. I am obsessed with collecting awards and milestones. My spirituality is expressed through the physical. I am not materialistic in the sense of simply materialism. I'm connected, I'm very much big on connecting the ideas of heaven and earth, that the physical is meant to reflect the metaphysical and vice versa. So, and for me, I'm always obviously a Virgo. I don't think anyone has ever mistaken what I was. <laughs> <laughs> You've only said it a bunch of times on this podcast in I case have. anyone forgot. I, in case you forgot, I doubt you have. Um, but, you know, that's probably in with how you would know I was one. So the sun is I am. And it, it's really interesting also because the sun is not necessarily physical like the moon is. It's metaphysical. So it's the soul. It's the direct poles, I suppose, of human essence. We can uh, postulate on this, but I will move on. 
So the moon is I feel. Well, we mm-hmm. think the word lunatic. The moon pulls <laughs> the water. Water is movement. Water goes with the sacral chakra. Water is with music. Music moves us. It's our emotions. It's what drives us. It is in our pathos. So primal aspects. This is why the moon can do a wide variety of things to us. Saleni is very gracious. But if you are hiding things about yourself, she cares enough to expose you in a way that the sun doesn't. She'll expose you in a way that will... It's really interesting because you could say, where is the tough love in nurturing and where is the nurturing in tough love? Mm. And this is the aspects of yin-yang that you could see that are... Uh, that we can take from Eastern, as, uh, well, Eastern um, uh, traditional religion that can amalgamate with the ideas of Western astrology. And we will go into Eastern astrology in a different time, yeah. and we will connect those. I'm sure you're all feeling it now with the, uh, the full moon in Cancer, because Cancer being a water sign um, and having that during a full moon, a lot of the emotional sides of the moon are definitely, definitely coming up. Um, and then ironically, my moon in my chart is in a fire sign. So that's a lot of intense uh, energy there. And I'm sure anybody with something similar can definitely relate. So with the sun and moon, you will also see. So the sun, is it shines the spotlight literally. It illuminates and exposes. It draws attention to. For that reason, it is the ultimate light of justice, which can work well or really bad with your Mars sign. But we'll get to that. Uh, the moon is for people and organizations. This is where we feel the most to be needed to also to fit in. This is also what brings out the motherly tendencies in all of us, be there, be them more direct or indirect, um, and how it is that resonates. We've talked of modal tendency before. We will come back to that again. So the for Mercury... The idea with that one is, the phrase with that, you know, because the sun is I am, the moon is I feel, Mercury is I think. Mercury is our communication center. It is our fifth chakra. It is very closely related to the ideas surrounding the sun. An easy way to remember that is because Mercury is our closest uh, planet to the sun, at least the closest thing to the sun that we uh, monitor uh, more than other little tiny celestial bodies. If you want to play little semantics. Mercury in this day and age has a very interesting responsibility that did not exist prior to the 20th century, which is the aspects of multimedia. We have the internet, publishing, we have the mail, we have all sorts of messengers and the way that we message people. Mercury, as we know, is a god of the crossroads, but also marketing and thievery. And yes. Very good speaking. With, with being a merchant, I guess there's also the dark side of being a thief. <laughs> I mean, the, it's uh, it's it's, it's a, a very interesting transaction, kind of. Well, if I'm drawing you to my store, am I not stealing your attention? Am I not stealing your time you to go. come to my wares? There's a double-edged sword with the man at the crossroads. Mercury, Hermes. If you wanna, if you wanna amalgamate him into thought, or her, even Hermes, a thought and uh, Hermes Trismegistus. Um, but uh, understanding how Mercury works is understanding how you will directly communicate. I've been fortunate enough that I tend to communicate how my sun sign is. So it has a direct conjunction and that is a a thing that amplifies 
Um, but everything does have its price. Now, Venus is I love, obviously. Venus is the medium point. Now, Venus isn't necessarily the same as the moon, which is the relationship between numbers two and six, the mm -hmm. sacral chakra, which is the seat of the soul and the third eye, whereas Venus is the medium between those particular things. Love is very complicated, and a lot of people think they know what love is, and this is not to patronize anyone's view of what love is. I'm certainly, if I don't know you, I'm not going to tell you if you're, you're loving or not. I can only make observations based on what it is I know about psychologia and uh, what it is I know about myself and what it is I've, I've experienced in this world. But you know, love is something that incorporates the ethos, pathos, and logos. It's not just simply pathos. It's not just simply this lust or this obsession. It's not just the feeling, and that's what you were saying with the difference between the moon and Venus. The I feel is more of that, that primal feeling, the primal emotion, the things that are naturally who you are before you think, where Venus is the combination of things where, like you said, ethos, pathos, and logos. You're able to have all of them. You can think about your feelings feel your, what you're thinking, it's the marrying of all that. The moon is the exposure mm -hmm. and the poles of the divine feminine and the poles, again, but that exist between two and six, whereas Venus is literally the medium. She understands both. She is, and though often depicted, and, and some people will say Aphrodite and Venus are the same, some people say that they are, that they are different depending on, there's evidence uh, for arguments of both, and we can certainly recommend that if anyone feels the need to ask when we inevitably do an episode on Venus specifically. But what we need to realize is that she's often depicted as this flippant sort of woman, and she's, she's really not. She knows herself very, very well. She understands the poles, and she reconciles them. So the relationship between your Venus and your moon sign can be very important when understanding your dark sides and what drives you. So she is... Again, she rules over relationships, particularly romantic ones, but also I would argue uh, any relationship because I don't necessarily believe that there's any such thing as simply a platonic relationship. It's, it's all ratio and, and spectrum as opposed to one versus the other. And love extends beyond romantic relationships. So, you know, when you have love for your children or love for a sibling or something like that, um, just different expressions of that emotion. She can affect jealousy as well now some people will see that she is a say that she is a jealous person or she will cause jealousy or it's just that's not necessarily the case you can tap into her energies to cause that into someone if you should feel like doing a, a little less ethical magic a little darker love magic but if you uh, understand that she exposes where you are jealous especially in combination with the other signs to greater understand yourself yes. and who it is you are and it's who good you may for want shadow to be. work which again we all know that with shadow work sometimes those things can be demonized by people that fear it so when you are delving into that and you want to learn more about who you are and how you feel, Venus is a wonderful goddess, or even Aphrodite, to help, to help tap into that. Yes, very much so. So, the next we have the lover of Venus, Mars, Martis, Pater Romanus. <laughs> this is the phrase, I act. I act is, well, quite literally, it's in action and 
We all hear the phrase, we've said this before in a podcast, I'm certain, reaction versus response. Mars is our primal reaction, but he's also a source of our will. He is a source of pure masculinity. He is our aspects of fire, drive, our will, but also our self-esteem. And self-esteem is not just, you know, there's a lot of discrepancies as to what self-esteem means in this day and age. A lot of people use it as a way to say, oh, have more self-esteem as a, as a means to tell people to care more about themselves. But your self-esteem is also the things that you stand for, where you make your oaths and where you are, uh, the standards that you hold yourselves to. Yes, which you can see the relation to a god of war in that way because uh, soldiers, military, they all have a certain level of self-esteem and they have a foundation for why they're involved in militant activity because if you think about it your self-esteem your action your passion for things that's that's a big part of who you are um so it makes sense that this is all aligned with with a god of war very much so and the thing about mars that scares people the most and i'm certain it's the thing that scared the greeks about Ares, because Ares wasn't held as much in favor to the Greeks as Mars was to the Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea surrounding that much probably is the fear of today, is the fear of tension, anger, and really any sort of aggression because people see it as discord. And people fear discord. We see a lot of these things very often yeah. that you know everyone has this concept of peace. Everyone says, oh, feel your emotions up until it's about the time to, to feel angry. anger. Which yep. is very dangerous, and it's a, no- it's a number one thing that we see in a lot of spiritual bypassing. We're not necessarily saying go out and be an angry person. No, no, no. Certainly don't, don't, don't adopt... Don't delve in that emotion yeah. too much. Yeah, <laughs> don't, uh, don't adopt New York road rage as a, as a lifestyle. It's, it's not a good Please thing. And we're, we're saying this as New Yorkers, friends. It's, yeah. a, it's a crappy thing. <laughs> we, we've experienced it firsthand. Um, but again, the dark side of Mars is aggression and the dark side of Venus is jealousy. So those are two emotions people would much rather push down, repress, and ignore. Um, But again, great shadow work. If you want to know where your aggression comes from, if you feel you have anger issues, so to speak, or you're too aggressive in some places or not aggressive enough, Mars is a wonderful, and and Aries are wonderful deities to work with to help transmute your aggression into something positive instead of letting it hold you back. Now, my Mars is in Aries. (laughs) Obviously, Aries the... Aries, the zodiac sign, not, <laughs> not Aries, the god. The god. So Literally. the god is not making love to himself. So get that that <laughs> image out of your head. If any of I you mean, thought if you of wanted it, wanted to, I guess whatever. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> um, he's not narcissist. Yeah, he's de- he's not narcissist. <laughs> he's not Adonis. <laughs> so. The thing that you need to understand is that there is such things as good tension versus bad tensions. For example, when you exercise, when you're lifting weights, technically you're causing tension in your body, friends, yeah. but you're sculpting yourself into something very good. Same thing with music. We can't play cadences the whole time. That's boring. And then peace will become a source of chaos. Mm -hmm. And that's a bad thing. That's when light warps to darkness and darkness warps to light. And you confuse the two, which we've talked about as being, in our opinion, one of the number one sources of human suffering. Mm -hmm. My Mars is an Aries, so people... You can imagine I've had to do a lot of work surrounding channeling anger and passion and will because anger will, passion, they're all represented by fire, that third chakra, they're all the same thing. How you transmute it determines if you're an ethical and moral person or not, friends. Yes, and, and this when, is what Mars can teach you. And when you think of, of you, I mean, specifically, you are a martial artist and a musician, and two of the major ways to transmute anger and aggression, you have, you have found solace in, you found creativity in, so it works. I mean, it's definitely a thing 
that uh, you may also want to pursue any of our listeners that if you feel as though it's something that's holding you back, try a sport, try martial arts, um, try music, you know, either conducting it, listening to it, playing it. And music, the dissonance that precedes the cadence is what makes the cadence richer and have more depth. We do not see a lot of that in modern pop music. So we will move on now to Jupiter. Excuse me. Sorry. You okay? <laughs> yeah, little, little gas. I'm good. I'm okay. Um, so Jupiter is I grow. Now, the easiest way to remember this is that Jupiter is the largest planet in this solar system. He is absolutely gigantic. He protects Mother Earth from wayward asteroids very often. It is postulated and, well, hypothesized that uh, only... Planets that are like Earth can sustain life with a planet like Jupiter in its solar system. Mm. So, Jupiter is, I grow, this is where we expand. We understand Jupiter to be the ultimate example of the king aspects of generous, jovial magnanimity. Mm -hmm. I I almost said magnanimous. (laughs) Um, Different (laughs) adjectives and, 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 and nouns and adverbs <laughs> I need to figure out all these things yeah right um jupiter will help you with your finances he will help you with big opportunities he will help you with finding things that are truly worth value but the value that reflects the heavens friends a lot of people have kind of reduced him into this thing that you come to just like i need money like uh, you know, it's just like no i, I like it's i don't not just about that and yeah. it's about it's about abundance in a lot of forms he and- won't give you money if you don't have dreams to use your money to reflect the highest aspects of yourself yes and more earthly riches are often associated with pluto and hades so jupiter and even saturn and even saturn yeah so jupiter um not to say that they're they're limited by that either um but they're the earthly realm of like metals abundance gold things that come from the earth and riches and jupiter is that that metaphysical riches the abundance your uh your ability to you know when you're grateful for the things that you have to see around you like um your home and and more of the metaphysical things that go into having abundance um and you know he he overall i mean we've seen it in the saturn jupiter conjunction these are things that are coming to pass now jupiter being part of that is is abundance is um you know it, it was a time for you to really put into place where you want to be in your life, where you want to keep, you know, where you want to move forward, um, maybe where you want to live specifically, how you want to live. And we did a lot of work during the Saturn, uh, Saturn yeah, Jupiter conjunction in for our future, for, for the places we're planning on creating and growing. And that's what you can work with Jupiter with. Of course, as you said, um, you know, we want to make sure that we appreciate divinity for the gifts that they give us. And we're not just like demanding tantrum throwing children about it. where We're like, I want a nice house or I want a big fancy car. Like those aren't things that you're necessarily going to go out and be like, Jupiter, now want. Like you wouldn't do that to your dad and you definitely don't want to do that to if, Jupiter. If you want anything simply for the sake of it, you know, he's, he's going to teach you a lesson. Right. <laughs> so Jupiter in this day and age is very important with... 
uh, we have to watch with global ideas. And that isn't necessarily supporting a globalist versus a nationalist agenda. Let me be very clear about that, friends. He reacts uh, for both in certain aspects. But for global organizations and global business, there's a reason why him and Mercury would be really good combinations here to understand. I mean, the father and the son right there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is opportunities and solutions. Jupiter is often regarded as the luckiest of the planets, depending on your view of luck, be it Eastern or Western. We are going to go on a brief break and we will be right back with Eternos. Hello, all you curious creatures out there. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are the hosts of Into the Portal. If you like myths, legends, history with a paranormal twist, join us every week as we explore lesser-known mysteries of our world and beyond. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and all other major podcast platforms, and at intotheportal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. The only question is, do you dare peer into the portal? Okay, welcome back. Uh, Now we are going to be discussing Saturn, our next planet in the lineup. So one of my favorites and often uh, the most misunderstood next next to his first son, Aries Pluton, is Saturn. Saturn is... The phrase, and I, did I say the last phrase? Oh, yeah, I said I, said I grow with Jupiter. Yes. Saturn is I achieve. Mm. Now, this one is often really confusing to people because Saturn is often where we get the depictions, the later depictions, of course, of where Father Time came from because of right. the scythe and the reaping and all of those things. Now, what we need to keep in mind is that Saturn is connected with the first chakra and is connected with a lead, which is connected to the purest aspects of the physical world and also where we can be limited in the physical world. But some limitations aren't always necessarily a bad thing, friends. We must get that out of our head because technically we are limited by the physical body that we are in right now, but we are also allowed to exist in the way that we are currently and to express. Now, if you see life as this march towards death, then this doesn't necessarily offer you much solace. But if you see life as this amazing opportunity to learn and better and refine your soul and go through a spiritual trial of alchemy and to earn the respect of the knowledge and wisdom of the gods, then then life will be much more fun for you. So it certainly is all perspective. And it makes sense that Saturn is the start. I mean, he's led. He's our first... Um step in that process to gold uh so those physical things uh once you appreciate them then you can finally you can move forward and you can start to discover who you really are and you know what gifts you have to offer and it it won't seem so limiting that physical anymore saturn is the time of capricorn there is a reason why the romans made the holiday of Saturnalia as opposed to amalgamating the Greek celebration of Chronia. Even though Chronia was celebrated 
it, well, their calendar was completely different. Mm. So it's uh, understanding. I believe his holiday was in the month of Ekatombeon. I need to look that up oh, again. Oh, yeah. But, uh... And Kronos so- and Saturn um, do have their similarities, but they also have their differences as well. Again, it's that thing where you see in, in Roman and Greek mythology, some are so very similar and some are different. We, we have reason to believe that some of the amalgamations are true and some of them aren't. So, and then that's a t- tricky question we've gone over before of, of Egregore. It's like the what came first. Um, were they the same? And then people gave such power to their different Egregores that they became separate. Uh, were they always separate? And maybe people amalgamated them by creating that Egregore of saying, well, you know, I think that Venus and Aphrodite are the same. And I'm just going to call her Venus. So now Venus has become this amalgamated deity. And it's, it's also a big how, question. It's also how translation worked. I mean, that if anyone who, anyone who is a speaker of Greek, mm-hmm. understands that there would be no Latin without Greek, and there would be there would be no Greek and Hebrew and Arabic without Phoenician. Right. So it's, it's, it's certainly a lot. I mean, the Greeks definitely perfected it by far. Um, I would say that in regards to like a matria, like a, a mathematical system with the letters and the attention to those words in particular, goes probably, and, and I, I might sound like I'm showing bias, but I'm not, you can look it up, friends, is that it probably goes like Greek, Hebrew, and then like Arabic. But they're so, so close. And then just after that, just then like Latin is like under that, and then just way under that is, well, I'd say like right next to Latin, a little under Latin, because Latin influenced a lot of German German things. A lot of people think that the runes might have been extensions of certain aspects of the Latin alphabet and the original right. Latin alphabets, which is not necessarily the alphabet we have today, friends, even though we call it that. Right. The English Latin alphabet would probably be a bit more uh, accurate. But um, and then like way like way under those things, you're going to have like English and and uh, and other spin-off languages that that were really developed uh, hundreds of years uh, after the beginning of the common era. Mm-hmm. So it's and not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing. Each language has its purpose. Yes. Obviously, we're all speaking English right now because it's a very efficient language. It is. But is efficiency the best way to understand some of these things? If you teach yourself Greek and Latin or Hebrew or Arabic, if you teach yourself Sanskrit and then you go out to the East with the pictorial languages, mm-hmm. uh, Chinese and Japanese and Korean, you, you, you'll realize just how different your mind will be. Yes. I'm now at the point where I'm just thinking in multiple languages and my inner monologue just sounds so much different. If you happen to have an inner monologue, some people say that some people don't have inner there monologues. Thing, yes, um, much like some people have um, trouble with visualization. Uh, and that's the thing too. You might actually find some struggle with uh, with certain tenets and and proponents of witchcraft because uh, visualization is a big thing, and some people can't or have a very hard time visualizing things as easy as others. But that doesn't mean that you can't do things to your best ability. So definitely don't let that discourage you. Um, and I would I would even argue that learning other languages is still a way to elevate the way that you think, um, regardless if you have an inner monologue or not. Um, but yeah, you can actually, um, learn most of those languages on Duolingo. So well, shout out to that. It's a good way to start learning those languages. And then of course you should read books and everything else and watch TV shows to really get that and talk to people. But if you want to start to see if it's something you're interested in, 
I would suggest Duolingo. Also, just read dictionaries. Just honestly, yeah. like, I know it sounds like the tedious well, thing in the world. we did that in elementary just... school. They would have us research words we didn't know, and that's basically the same so, thing you have to do. And then find a way to understand the grammar. Um, if you mm. want to learn Latin, a great place to start is uh, the Wheelox Latin. Yeah. So that is fantastic, recommended by uh, the fan, the fantastic, fantastic uh, doctor of language uh dr jeff greenberger dr jeff greenberger he is uh he was actually my latin and greek teacher and he is fabulous you should look up his work friends him and his wife miss custer uh who's actually related to colonel custer i put together um are they are they are fabulous i strongly recommend any uh, of their work they're fantastic they are fantastic teachers. I believe Doc Greenberger is now teaching at Stony Brook University. Ooh. So if you are at Stony Brook for whatever reason, friends, for our Long Island listeners or people who are living on Long Island, I strongly recommend going to see him um, and taking some of his classes, whatever the classes they're offering. Um, and uh, for Greek, yeah, you could do – there's literally a book called Reading Greek. There are two um, – uh, there are two advanced college textbooks for that, and they have exercises and all sorts of things. And also, y- you can't go wrong with just reading and translating the Bible and just going slowly. Which, the Bible was the first book ever mass printed, so that, that'll tell you a lot right there, too. <laughs> so, um, so that was a pretty roundabout, but uh, I certain all necessary, and, and you guys know how the flow of our, our podcasts yeah, work. We get to we things like to when explore. we get to them. <laughs> We try to make this as authentic as possible so it doesn't come off as though we're telling you what to do. We're not, right. we're not trying to be a media that you know do this do this yeah, you know we're like not, we're not trying to put things in only one way it's not meant to be um instructional in again we're an ultimate authority on something we do conversation we explore we talk we find out some things new sometimes when we're we're you know talking on the podcast we'll come up with new ideas on the spot it's not always uh programmed so that's the beautiful thing about this form of study though is you really Get to explore, use your critical thinking skills, and expand on things you already know and learn things just by talking about it. So, to understand Saturn and to understand the I achieve, Saturn is the old master. He is the discipline. Think about him reaping away the things that are stressful on the earth. He is reestablishing the ground. He is laying a foundation once again for the new things of the new growing season to, well, grow and prosper he is a man that will give you good limitations or bad ones if you should feel like tapping into that and cursing somebody but he will give you good limitations he will help you get rid of procrastination he will cut away the aspects of you that are terrible it's positive healthy boundaries that you can establish with his help and saturn the saturn aspect of the saturn jupiter conjunction if you think of laying that groundwork, reaping away what no longer serves you so you can be open to the abundance that is there for you. That's the working in tandem aspects of the father and son of Saturn and Jupiter. It's the coming together of, you know, in mythology, they they are at odds in the sense that Jupiter or Zeus had to rescue his siblings from his father um, who had eaten them. Again, a symbol of, of eating time, of eating youth, of eating things like that. And um, that kind of chaotic, void-like energy. Uh, But, you know, while there is that in the mythology and we have to look at that metaphor, there's also another metaphor of them coming together in Aquarius. Again, the intellectualism of of your laying your groundwork, your boundaries, your time management skills, and all of those things 
as the starting point to welcoming that abundance that is there. It's there waiting for you, welcoming the I grow, how you're going to grow throughout your life. You have to reap away the things that no longer serve you. And this isn't an ultimate thing as in we never have to do it again. We're constantly in cycles of reaping away what no longer serves us, much like a harvest and the scythe symbolism that he's always every season reaping away the things that he can harvest, take in all of the beautiful things that were grown, but then also leave that groundwork for next spring so new things can come. You got to think of it as a level, friends. Every time we transform ourselves from lead into gold, there's the overall over the whole course of mm-hmm. our life and the whole course of our spiritual journeys. But there's also miniature cycles that recycle constantly. So you're, once you become gold, that level becomes your new lead, and then you start the cycle over again. So, and we will talk more about this uh, and how, why it is these things matter more. And you'll hear this more, and you'll put this together when we talk more about the houses and in yes. relations to which planets traditionally rule the zodiac signs, and which planets rule them in modern understandings of astrologia as well. You must take in both of them; they both matter, friends. Now, you were speaking of the conjunction, which I mm-hmm. hope to get to in this particular podcast. Is So it was in Aquarius, and Aquarius is the water bearer. He is the aspect of the calves and the the ankles. He is the shins. He's all of those all of those things. This frequency is intensely idealistic and known for bringing energies of true honesty, loyalty, independence, humanitarianism, vision originality, um, um, friendship both um, with and without professional ties. There are, this is an aspect of a true free spirit. Mm. But the good thing with this is that the fact that when you're too much of a free spirit, you sometimes get untethered. The fact that Saturn and Jupiter are in those things are powerful combinations. So at a brief glance, uh, I will reference to you Devin Hunter, uh, Devin Hunter's book, The Witch's Book of Power, which was a forward by Christopher Penzak. For those of you who are familiar with the Temple of Witchcraft, we strongly recommend them. They do great work and they're very sweet people. They're very, very kind people. That doesn't mean screw with them though. So always remember <laughs> that, friends. If you're, you know, don't bring a, a don't bring a, a twig to a, a nuke fight. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Jupiter in Aquarius rules over success and optimism, accentuates the Aquarian frequency. Um, it is about opportunity and luck through partnerships and other people, further accentuating the fact that we need each other. Now, we may find that it might be easier to help uh, another's, another's bridge to the next aspect of their lives, find a new job. Sometimes this is also about how you can get ahead by helping others. And not that that should be the first thing on your mind. You should help others for helping for others. Altruism. But it's the lesson of these particular things. Yeah. This strengthens our resolve to predict the future, um, the future trends of our lives. Yeah. This is setting a stone. Uh, and that's the- why this was such a big thing the saturn and aquarius coming together um it really is setting a foundation for the rest of our lives on this planet 
And that's why it's so important that, I mean, it's still, look, the conjunction is still going. These planets take a while to kind of oh, get out. Oh, and we are in this so, age. So you can still, throughout this whole time, continue to work on these aspects of yourself and of your life. It's not something that's limited. You didn't miss a window. Um, you know, now, while that might have been the dawning of something or, you know, again, that that intense beginning of this sort of power we're in it so please continue to do these rituals if you did something on the night of saturn and, and um jupiter conjunction you can keep those intentions going now grow upon them don't reiterate the same thing with the same wording but if you're you know manifesting a certain career for example just keep doing it keep keep putting those intentions forward keep manifesting it this whole age now is something that is going to help propel you towards that um, this is all of your higher ideals. This is the time to dream. This is also, you can also use this to tap into musical magic, just music in general, learning music, and also being a power of prophecy. Mm-hmm. And all magic that involves ancestral allies are powerful during this time. Now, Saturn, so to give you a background as to why this is also really important, understanding, and this is why the mythology is very uh, crucial to understanding why it is that this is such a powerful conjunction is that while we don't necessarily believe that Jupiter and Saturn have been completely estranged, some people won't keep them on the same altar together. We have not had any negative experience with that. We believe that if it was anything literal that they have long since made amends, but them coming together is also a symbology of the Kundalini of that father and son separating, Mm -hmm. coming back together stronger than ever understanding why each other had to do what they did because of different generational ties and how it all plays in that one is not evil and one is not necessarily good exclusively. Mm -hmm. The fact that the idea of father and son reconciling. So this might be a good time if you're estranged from your parents, especially from fathers and sons. This is also a good time to ride that energy as well to maybe make up. This is a time to unify on a particular idea and a greater cause. This is in... And that's like you were saying, generational too. This is a great time to make amends between generations of people. I know this happens, you know, people think that older generations don't know as much or they're too traditional or too this or too that. And some people think younger people are just not wise and too flippant. But this is the perfect time to get to know people of other generations and to truly understand them and where they're coming from. So we can, you know, chip away at that preconceived notion that you'll never understand someone who's in a different generation than you um socially there's a lot of of issues that can stem from that so to have that empathy that love that true understanding intellectually of what the other person is doing and where they're coming from is something that i think is going to be really important moving forward very much so and the thing is friends is that so if you're having kids you expect them to conquer you. That's a big thing if you oh, look yeah. in Greek uh, mythology. Is you will see that the whole point of having children is to want them to usurp you at some point. That's a pride. If you don't want kids to usurp you, don't have them. Don't have them. Because that means you want them to... If you want your kids to not do as good as you or you will always try to like hold them down... That is... That's a terrible way to look at things. Right. And that's the lesson of Saturn. Oh, eating them, trying to, you know, it's, but he also did that because he wanted them to truly, it's like, if you're going to conquer me, you better freaking do it. Right. And you're, you're growing. It's kind of that, you know, again, that intense development of, of a child of saying, okay, I want you to 
to usurp me in a way that I want you to be more knowledgeable. I want you to be more wise. I want you to have more prosperity to do things. And that's not putting the parent down saying that they weren't prosperous or they weren't wise, but it's showing that there's always something to learn in life. Mm -hmm. And we just don't have enough time in this lifetime. So to pass it on to your child, to have your child learn the next step in knowledge, to get closer to divinity and wisdom is something I think any parent should be proud to do. But that relationship should still be there that the parent and child love each other and respect each other, regardless if the child is technically in a way usurping them. This is the truest aspect of the passion of fatherhood. Now, the thing that's important with Saturn in Aquarius and unifying with all these ideas, the magnificence, the rising to the kinghood, all the best things possible. But Saturn disciplines you. He teaches you the self-discipline that is needed to truly create true, honest, humanitarian uh, idealism. You know, what's truly needed to do it in a way that is actually real and actually efficient and and uh, has depth. Yep. You know, you want these things to be there. Otherwise, like simply with Jupiter in Aquarius, without Saturn in Aquarius, some people might be a bit too flighty. They might they might float away. Too, too idealistic in the sense that there's no real grounding and no um, ability to truly make the things happen. It's a little bit more lofty and idealistic where Saturn is giving you, ironically, the place to exist. But also he is associated with the element of Earth and lead. And that dark side is once you understand that dark side, you're able to craft who you are that much better. And it more becomes a foundation versus something you're avoiding. Yes, and the, it teaches you to respect the amount of passion, blood, sweat, and tears it truly takes to make these things happen, truly, and not, not in a way that is fake, not in a way that is shallow. Now I'm using that word in the <laughs> negative aspect of it. Not, well, not in a way that's simply that. Simply shallow is bad. Simply deep for the sake of deep is bad. Mm -hmm. You need both. Everything needs both. This teaches you the hard work and responsibilities and places an emphasis on the Aquarian's frequency to be able to deal with tough subjects. It enters... It enters... Uh, sorry, went a little, uh, went a little cockeyed for a brief moment. <laughs> You get excited. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, Saturn activates the rational and the practical aspects while Jupiter keeps our dreams. It is the perfect relationship uh, yeah. between heaven and earth. We need both to make both happen. I'm Neither telling can you, exist without I'm either. so excited <laughs> that, that I that this is in my lifetime, that this is something that I get to experience that the people that I love get to experience this because this is a really intense period of time to be in we are so fortunate we are so fortunate I, I mean with abundance here with jupiter and just to say that there's so much opportunity and again this year alone has had so much pain and and challenge for people that this is the turnaround people are looking for now we can't say oh things will turn around in a year three months whatever it's not an exact timeline but this movement of energy is now moving forward towards these things, which means the more energy you put into them, the more energy we all put into this to manifest this, the faster and stronger it's going to happen. And throughout our lifetimes, we get to fully enjoy the fruits of this labor. Um, so it's really an, an amazing time to, to be alive, to be working magic, to be learning things. This is the hard realities of idealism and true mm -hmm. humanitarianism and true dreaming. 
Jupiter gives us the ability to be bold enough to reach the highest heights of our dreams. And Saturn gives us the dose of reality that is needed to make those things happen. He's not the dose of reality that says, oh, this can't happen. It's not a stamping out of your... Of your desires and your dreams, it's more of the okay. Well, if you wanna, if you wanna own a castle, here's how you're gonna get there. I'm not telling you you can't. I'm just gonna lay out the way that you can get there, which is great. Always, always dream big. Do the most you possibly can because even if you don't get exactly what you dreamed of, even if it's a little less, it's still your, more. Your pursuit of the dreams is what would get you to wherever. Exactly, you're still going to have the heights that you want and. Okay, so say you want a castle. Maybe it has 30 rooms instead of 60. Maybe it's a little smaller than you thought. Or maybe it's like in a different place than you thought. You're still getting what you wanted. Maybe you're still getting what your version of a castle is. You're getting a home. You're getting, you know, even again, even if it's not a literal castle, it might be a home that makes you feel that way. You can have a family. You have money. You have abundance. And those are the things that you might think of when thinking of a castle, a mansion, a certain place of living. So those aspects in your life are still coming true, whether, again, it's maybe the the grandiose version of your dream. So Saturn is the symbology of old men, the morose, the pessimist at times. It can also be self-sabotaging. It can be slow, teaches you the ability of literally frozen time. But Jupiter lifts up Saturn and Saturn grounds Jupiter. Yep, that they, balance. It is, so that's why this is such a powerful time to, to really will into this world everything, friends. The thing, the irony is, is that you've probably been beaten up to the point where this is probably getting close to the last straws of hitting that rock bottom. But that means that you're not afraid to dream. Now you, who cares? You Whatever. have nothing to lose You have nothing now. to lose anymore. Just dream the biggest dream you possibly can. And, you know... If you don't know where to start, if you don't know where your foundation is, pray to Saturn. Work with Saturn. Say, you know what? I really have no idea what my foundation to getting this dream is. Can you help me? Show me a sign. Where should I start? Like, you having dreams means nothing if you don't want to have the opportunity to be disciplined by the greatest of discipli- mm-hmm. discipliners. <laughs> discipliners, and uh, not in a bad way. Yeah, the teacher, you know, discipulos is Latin, you know, you have student and then the student of the magi. Yes. So. So we will actually, so we're going to actually stop there. I'm going to, well, I'm going to read, um, uh, read off an original astrologia. So the, uh, which the planets that rule the signs and we will get to the signs and the other, uh, planets and celestial bodies in the next installment of this particular episode. Yeah. Cause I believe we're at like 40 minutes to an hour. About so an we hour. want to make it, you know, digestible for you guys and not overwhelming because as much as we could rant forever, um, we do know that you have things to do and you may listen to us in the car, at work, wherever, but we'll give you a good stopping point so you can digest it and then go on to the next thing. So the sun rules Leo, the moon rules Cancer, Venus rules Libra and Taurus, Saturnus rules Aquarius traditionally. Aquarius went to Uranus, which is his dad in modern psychology. So you could also say that the Aquarius with Saturn and Jupiter is three generations. Mm -hmm. Grandfather, father, and son. So, and grandson, etc., you know. Um, uh, so Saturn and Capricorn, and easier to remember that is Saturnalia is the coming time of Capricorn. Mercurius rules Gemini and Virgo. Jupiter rules Sagittarius and Pisces. Uh, and Aries rules, oh, I mean, Mars rules Aries and Scorpio. So, 
Keeping all of those things in mind, friend, that is traditional seven celestial body astrology. We will get into the further expansions and how it is they all come in the next episodes. We hope you have enjoyed this one. To give you an idea, now we're going to tell you, like I said, we're filming this is December 30th. We are going to give you the January schedule. So obviously New Year's Day on Friday. Um, the third of the month, and these are what we're observing. There are probably other holidays right now, and if there are any updates, we will let you know. Um, we are trying to celebrate... Uh, things in many different cultures because that is what the daimonic culture is. It's not dialectism, but it's truly celebrating and taking in the depths of as many cultures as possible to be as ver versatile as possible. But as of right now, and again, I, I, I'm already seeing that there's a couple of days missing, but right now we have uh, Compitalia, which is on the 3rd. We have the Epiphany on the 6th. We have Agonalia for Janus, the two-faced god on the 9th. We have Aloha, which celebrates Demeter and Dionysus on the 10th. Then the 11th, you have um, Carmentalia and Juturna. Um, you have the Ides, which is also the um, uh, new moon, a dark moon, on the, the Ides, which in January is the 13th, as opposed to the 15th on other months. It's either the 13th or the 15th in the Ides, which is sacred to Jupiter and Zephs, if you, if you see them both as the same entity, friends. Um, it will be in Capricorn at 5.02 a.m. in the morning. Uh, the week of the 17th, excluding Martin Luther King Jr. Day, there are uh, no spiritual holidays, just a national holiday. And if you're in America, for those of you who, um, I don't know if anyone outside of America celebrates that day. I should hope I so. Mean, he, I mean, they know of it. He was a great but man, yes. so certainly celebrate. I know they know of it, but. Um, take the time. Uh, Linaya is on the 25th. Uh, Theogamia, which celebrates marriage between uh, Zeus and Hera, or Jupiter and Juno. And the 28th is the full moon in Leo at 7.18 p.m., it is the wolf moon, so celebrate Yay. that spirit animal. And it is also the feast day for St. Thomas Aquinas. And regardless if you're Christian or not, he was a very intelligent man. So there is a lot this month. Uh, we're going to add uh, a few other things as well. And if you want to check, you can check the calendar on demonicosproductions.com where we will have all of our classes and all of the things to celebrate. Yes. And um, again, our social media, we tend to have, uh, you know, little campaigns like we did for Saturnalia to explain these holidays, let you know how you can celebrate, um, start getting into them. And, you know, January, uh, as part of the winter, we're still in our reflection period. So take that hibernation and read, learn, grow, and start getting ready for the spring. Um, I know we plant seeds in the spring, but this is the time where, you know, before the seeds awaken, it can technically be a time for planting seeds as well. Yes, and also, uh, we are, for those of you who still listen to Christmas music up until the 6th, some people even go all the way to February, Yay. because uh, you know, February 2nd in Condelmas. Because everyone loves but, Christmas. Yes, um, or if you happen to be listening to this in the middle of July, if you're one of <laughs> one of those people July. that celebrates Christmas in July. Um, the thing that you, um, that I would like to also promote is I did a Christmas album. Yes. So, it's under my mundane, da my m mundane name, so... We will talk about him as though he's a third person <laughs> right now. The Stefano Andreotti Christmas album and streamed concert are all available on YouTube and on the Daimonicos site. So for all of those of you who have listened, I greatly appreciate it. For those of you who haven't listened, I, I ask, hey, give it a listen. Uh, give your critique, see if you like it. I did the best I could for the 
the the money that was spent and the time that could have been put in. Um, we also are accepting donations for that, and that money will go towards future projects for me to hire more orchestral people so I can use more actual instruments and give you more authentic recordings that will show off my voice in the best way possible. Yes, because uh, here at Dimonicos, we are about promoting art and music. Um, if you yourself are a musician or artist and you would like to work with us, um, please reach out. Uh, again, you can find uh, his things on YouTube. Um, we had links up on our sites as well. Uh, and if you somehow miss it and we and we change what's on the homepage of Dimonicos, just email us. I can give you a direct link if you're having trouble finding it. Um, but Stefano Andriotti on YouTube or To Be Seen on YouTube is the best way that you can find the <laughs> streaming video and concert. Uh, also check out the Disc Dungeon. My man Joe Pombo, who's a, a wonderful videographer and, and podcaster, I strongly recommend. I need to learn what his podcast is. I think oh, they, yeah, we they can talk about video out. games and everything. Um, Disc Dungeon, but and you can uh, you can of course because it's on YouTube, just pull it up on your TV. It's a great way to maybe again you're celebrating Epiphany. You're a little sad that your Christmas tree is coming down. You want Christmas to come back a little. Just you can play it in the background, have it on, and really just still stay in that Christmas spirit. Listen to it for next year you know shameless promotion and all that um we're also doing we also have a bunch of new classes um so uh, you know see the schedule for that you can also be taught privately we work out all sorts of deals Mm -hmm. and specials we uh i also still teach voice and piano over over zoom and i also i teach all the classes over zoom yes so um especially for the winter um all of our classes and workshops are over zoom um, once we can be outside um, in a way where, again, we still stay safe. We don't, we don't know what will ruffle any feathers. We don't know what will be going on, you know, um, in the sense that maybe in the spring we will have a little bit more. Um, we don't have to have as many restrictions, uh, but always in the spring and summer, you know, being outside is a great way to enjoy the learning process and get to see us in person again uh but for winter during our hibernation uh we will be doing things over zoom if you'd like to have any classes booked privately you can reach out to us um we also have options for that on the website um and the website is a great place to just find all this information you can find out more about who we are you can find out more about the classes and workshops we have a course catalog there all of our new stuff pops up there um and all of our new services because we have a lot of new services and entertainment coming up in 2021 so we are going to wish you all a happy new year thank you for listening thank you for staying with us and remember there's a little witch in all of us and as always the spirits live in the mirror